It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ella Kissy Deborah was just nine when she died in February 2013. For three years, she'd been suffering from breathing problems which was so serious, she'd had to be hospitalised 28 times. What started off as a cold ended up blowing up into one of the worst cases of asthma ever recorded. But could the asthma attack that killed Ella have been caused by pollution? A report by scientists in 2018 uncovered an alarming link. Ella could become the first person to have air pollution mentioned as a contributory factor on her death certificate. This week, after years of waiting, a new inquest is being held to consider the evidence. This is Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, did pollution kill Ella? We look at the story behind The Times' clean air campaign and the inquest which could make history. Research shows that air pollution can damage every organ in the body. Ben Webster is the Times Environment Editor. He's been looking into the estimated 40,000 deaths linked to air pollution in the UK every year. He says pollution is linked to... Cancer, asthma, stroke and heart disease, diabetes, obesity, dementia, low birth weight. It even reduces intelligence by damaging our cognitive performance. Ben started looking into air pollution because of one little girl, Ella Kissy Deborah. She was a nine-year-old girl who lived in London with her two sisters and her mother, Rosamond. I've seen pictures of her. She has this beautiful big smile. She looks like a healthy, happy child. And what's also important to know is that she lived with her family beside a very busy main road. Ben has met Ella's mother, Rosamond, a number of times. Earlier this year, before the inquest began, I went to meet Rosamond too, and you'll hear from her throughout this episode. And what's really strange is, parallel to this, over there, is the South Circular. Rosamond took us to see the South Circular, one of the busiest roads in London, which is just a short distance from her home. Whenever she meets a journalist or a politician, she takes them to look at it and shows them the queues of idling traffic just spewing out toxic fumes. So, yeah, so if we carry on walking down here, where they're coming from, that's the South Circular. 
I don't know how clean the air in here, I, I have no idea, but it's really weird. So if you carry on walking down there, you're straight into all that traffic. But can you see how here is really peaceful? I'd like to think the trees are doing their job and shielding most of the pollution, probably not all of it. Um, when I met Rosamond, she showed me the route she and her daughter, Ella, walked day after day. If, if you were to describe Ella to somebody who'd never met her, how would you describe her? Oh, God, funny, hilarious. She was very kind, so she always cared about other people. So if she felt that, for instance, there was a person that was never invited to a, a birthday party, she would invite them to hers. I think the most important memory to, to me would be when someone in her class was struggling to read. And I remember she used to finish her work early. And I said, well, if I were you, I would ask your teacher if you can help them. And she actually let her that as long as she'd finished her work, she could go and help the students. And I, I remember when she passed away, the student said to me, so what am I going to do now? Ella was a remarkable little girl. She dreamt of becoming an air ambulance pilot, and she even wrote to the RAF air cadets when she was eight, asking them to lower the age restrictions so that she could start training early. The RAF wrote back, promising to look into it. Her bedroom wall, so her bedroom was blue, of course, and then it had planes stuck on them. So that's how much she was into them. And she used to read all these books about planes and just nobody else in the family was that enthusiastic about it. Ella went from being a healthy little girl to having severe breathing problems. Rosamond said that it started with symptoms of asthma. It started with coughing. coughing. That's it. That's all I can remember. So she was coughing and she had her blue inhaler. But the first time she went to hospital is she coughed and it's called a hypoxic seizure. She coughed to the point of that she cut off her oxygen supply. So she went blue and she stopped breathing. The first time it ever happened, I was like a lunatic running around screaming. And my neighbour, Gary, who lived opposite me, he came over and he resuscitated her. And I think that's what I will probably forgive him for anything, by the way, because I probably realised that if he hadn't acted that quickly then, she probably would have died December 2010. And it was due to his quick reactions because she'd never done that before. From then on, Ella was in and out of hospital. Her health was always unpredictable. Well, imagine if you are walking home with her and, you know, you came through the park and suddenly she started coughing there. Towards the end, when she was coughing, every cough to me looked the same, by the way. But I remember when I was about to panic or go and call an ambulance, she would kind of do that. And that would mean to say that this is going to pass. Ella's final, fatal asthma attack took place in February 2013. She'd started coughing and an ambulance was called, but the attack went on and the doctors were unable to revive her. Rosamond doesn't like to talk about what happened in hospital, but what she does talk about, in a way that feels like she's constantly reliving it, are her vivid memories of the day before her last hours of normality with her daughter.
It was Valentine's Day. We'd gone to Marks and Spencer's because they were doing like Valentine's meal, meal for meal for two. As it, I think Ella had seen the advert on um, TV. It's really weird. Like when your child's ill, you kind of give in to certain things. So she must have said, "Oh, can we go and get that Valentine's meal?" And me being me, must have gone, "All right then." You do try and remember conversations, by the way. When we got home, she was going upstairs to bed and she was being really irritating. So she was playing music and she was like, okay, okay I'm going. And then she'll come down again. And I was going to her, Baba, stop annoying me. Do you see that? Yes. You need your sleep. I remember her dancing on the steps to bed. And when people say to me things like, did you know that was coming? Well, the answer surely was no. The first inquest into Ella's death raised more questions than it answered. Then, reports began to emerge linking her asthma to the air quality in the area. That's what inspired the Times to launch a clean air campaign, with Ben Webster at its helm. According to the government itself, they published a clean air strategy last year. They said air pollution is the top environmental risk to human health in the UK, and it's the fourth greatest threat to public health after cancer, heart disease and obesity. And it makes all of us more susceptible to respiratory infections and other illnesses. There are thousands of peer-reviewed studies, including many in the UK. And what's become clearer in recent years is that fine particles, they're called PM2.5, they're about a 30th of the width of a human hair. They're the most dangerous because they're so small that they can penetrate deep into the lungs and into the bloodstream. And they're so small, you probably wouldn't even be aware that they're they're around. I mean, it's not that sort of thing you see as a smog. Absolutely not, no. They're they're all around us and you can't tell they're there. Having been assigned the story, Hmm. was there anything that really surprised you about it? The sheer number of studies that there are. And also, I guess I was surprised. I learned that even very low levels of pollution affect you. I mean, like many people, I thought, well, you know, the air has become a lot cleaner. Do we really need to worry about this? One of the most interesting things I did was I wore an air pollution monitor and I cycled from my flat in Hackney on the the route I normally take, which is the fastest route. Then I compared that to going via a back route, which took about 10 minutes longer. And the pollution levels were staggeringly different. It was so much healthier for me to take longer to get to work. But you know what the sad thing is? I feel under so much time pressure, I nearly always go via Bishopsgate anyway. Despite knowing what you know. Despite knowing what I know, it's terrible. So how did Rosamond discover that Ella's death had anything to do with air pollution? Well, there's a consultant respiratory physician at the University of Southampton. He's called Stephen Holgate. He's also was chairman of the government's advisory committee on air pollution. And he studied Ella's 28 hospital admissions over three years, and he compared them to the air pollution levels at the Catford monitoring station, which is about one mile from her home. So every time she had an attack, they'd see what the atmosphere was like in her neighbourhood. That's right. And he he found um, what he described as a striking association between her hospital admissions and air pollution episodes. And and the asthma attack that actually culminated in her death in February 2013 coincided with one of the worst spikes in air pollution. Wow. And he wrote a report which concluded uh, there is a real prospect that without unlawful levels of air pollution, Ella would not have died. Ella's story and a meeting with Rosamond beside the South Circular were part of the inspiration for the Times Clean Air campaign. We decided to focus initially on the impact on children 
because they are particularly vulnerable because air pollution damages the developing lungs and brain. And also children have less control over their lives than adults do. And, and maybe they have less understanding of what's happening to them. And they cannot decide to move away from a polluted area. And we found there were 6,500 schools educating a total of 2.6 million children in areas where fine particles, that's the most dangerous form of air pollution, exceed the World Health Organization recommended limit. And this was the official data published by the government. The campaign started with five objectives. Number one, a new Clean Air Act. And that would confer a legal right to breathe unpolluted air for everyone in the UK. This wouldn't be the first Clean Air Act. In December 1952, temperatures hit minus four degrees. As Londoners stoked their coal fireplaces, a great smog shrouded the city, a poisonous yellowish-brown unlike anything seen since. Flights were grounded, trains were cancelled. 4,000 people died in three weeks. And as many as 12,000 are thought to have died from its lingering effects. MPs eventually decided enough was enough and introduced the Clean Air Act of 1956. And the UK at the time was, you know, we were the first country to take action on this. But since then, we've kind of lost our mantle as the kind of world leader in tackling air pollution. Objective number two for the campaign, a ban on sales of new diesel and petrol cars from 2030 now seems to have government support. Three weeks ago, the Prime Minister announced... The top story for you this morning, this new cars and vans powered entirely by petrol or diesel will not be sold in the UK from 2030. The plans are part of what the Prime Minister is calling a green industrial revolution aimed at... Although it's too early to know whether the plan will get the votes in Parliament. Other aims of the campaign include temporary traffic bans outside schools and more clean air zones, like the ultra-low emission zone introduced in London last year. One of the trickiest proposals is a charge on the most polluting cars. It's a difficult one, and a lot of cities are understandably concerned that less well-off households tend to have older cars. And so are you saying that basically, if you're on low income, you can't drive anymore? and the roads are going to be for the rich. So there is an issue there, and what needs to be dealt with there is good incentives, such as, and this is what they're planning in Birmingham, scrappage grants, giving you money towards, if you do surrender, scrap your older car, you could get um, a contribution towards public transport. Is there any way of holding the government to account if they're not doing their job in addressing these problems? Well, the government's already been held to account. I mean, there's a campaign group called Client Earth that's taken the government to court three times and has won three times. And it's one ruling saying that the government is failing to take enough action to bring UK air in cities down to within legal limits. Those legal limits came into force in 2010. They've been breached ever since in at least 30 different urban areas. And the government has very belatedly now started requiring cities to take more action and saying to them that their plans for cleaning up the air are not sufficient and sending them back to cities. And there's this kind of tussle going on between the government and local authorities over who's going to take responsibility and who's going to pay for dealing with the problem. That's really interesting. They took them to court three times and the government lost them. What what sort of sanction does the government get? You know, is there any actual incentive for them to act? 
um, the embarrassment of losing, the negative publicity. I mean, the, what the court order actually tells them to do is go back and produce, within a certain time period, a revised plan. And that has happened, but you know, you, you get the impression that ministers have had to be dragged kicking and screaming to be doing this, and it's actually quite shameful that um, the government has to be taken to court to enforce the law and protect us from air pollution which is damaging our health. After Ella's death, there was an inquest in 2014 which concluded that she died of acute respiratory failure and severe asthma. But earlier this year, the Attorney General granted a new inquest to consider whether air pollution caused or contributed to her death. And that means that uh, Ella could become the first person to have air pollution mentioned as a contributory factor on her death certificate. The inquest will be broad in scope and it will scrutinise whether failures by public bodies contributed to Ella's death. What sort of an impact do you think it might have? Well, it's expected to hear evidence that illegal levels of air pollution continue to threaten many lives, and it will increase pressure on the government to act on the problem. Before the inquest began, Ella's mother, Rosamond, and her lawyers set out their case in a submission to the coroner. And it says this, there are systemic flaws related to Ella's death, which give rise to a serious risk of many future deaths. So finding out what role air pollution in Ella's death, that will lead to positive change and perhaps also help her family come to terms with their loss. In just a moment, we'll bring you the latest from the inquest and why it's raising difficult questions for the former mayor of London, Boris Johnson. Get to the heart of the stories that matter every day with The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today and enjoy one month free. Search for thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
What answers does Rosamond want from the people in power? Well, one of the things that's going to be interesting about this new inquest is that um, Boris Johnson could be called as a witness. I mean, he was mayor of London at the time Ella was suffering from illegal levels of pollution. And the argument is that he didn't take sufficient action. I mean, the ultra-low emission zone wasn't introduced by Boris. Uh, it only came in last year, several years after she died. So um, Rosamond's submission says this. It is arguable that Mayor Johnson unreasonably delayed or failed to implement an adequate low emission zone prior to Ella's death. A low emission zone is just one of the policies that could have reduced the pollution near Ella's home. It was a policy that Boris Johnson delayed implementing again and again. There is a prospect with the second inquest now right. that they might call witnesses like Boris Johnson, who was Mayor of London at the time, right. to explain their policies and why they weren't doing more about pollution. Okay. How do you feel about that? I don't like to portion blame because that doesn't get us anywhere. I would like them to do more, not just do sound bites. I would like them to take decisive action. The Times Clean Air campaign thinks ministers should set a legally binding target to reduce pollution in line with the World Health Organization's guidance. And the government is contemplating setting a new target as part of a new environment bill. But it's yet to agree how ambitious that will be. And it's actually yet to say what the deadline for achieving it would be. The inquest verdict might help concentrate the minds of ministers. For Ben, this inquest offers a chance to shine a light on policy. For Rosamond, it's much more about getting justice for her daughter, Ella. I would never, ever, ever be able to describe enough how much she suffered. She suffered horribly. She was choking alive. One of the things she wanted to know is why did she become ill and why she died? And actually, do you know what? So do I. So do I. If a coroner comes to that decision, it's not going to make it any better or easier to take. I suppose at least we will know. And I do think that if these things contributed to her death, then they need to be on her death certificate. I remember one of her doctors saying, to say she died from respiratory failure is doing an injustice to her. The inquest began last week, and Times reporter Charlie Parker has been watching it closely. So far, we've mostly heard from government officials. So we've heard from the Greater London Authority, DEFRA, Department of Transport and Lewisham Council. And on the first day, a Lewisham official admitted that breaches of air pollution targets should have been considered as a public health emergency in the years leading up to Ella's death in 2013. So that was the most alarming thing to come from this so far. But what we've seen is different officials being examined by a lawyer for the family, Richard Hermer, to try to determine exactly what has gone on here. I mean, that is remarkable. I mean, do we know how high the level was compared to where it should be? There are monitoring stations all over London, uh, and then an annual average will be um, determined every year. Every single year of Ella's life up until her death in 2013, the levels recorded were in breach, uh, dangerous. It's thought that she was often exposed to very high concentrations and possibly even higher than the readings suggest because those were annual 
averages and she may well have been walking at particular times of the day where you know the hourly concentrations can dramatically change depending on how congested the roads are. And have you heard from scientists during the inquest? I mean, is there a sense of just how dangerous that could be? Yes. So after we heard from officials, we've had two emissions experts. One of them is uh, Dr. Craig Archer, who's an independent consultant. Dr. Archer said the government has ignored existing and available evidence that nitrogen dioxide levels were too high for many years. And then he said that it was actually, you know, the failures were sort of widespread, not just to be leveled at the government, but also the industry. The car industry very much promoted diesel as a sort of competitive move when hybrid cars came out in the early 2000s, despite it being a big emitter of nitrogen oxides, which again at the time were known by the governments to be poisonous, but the government didn't do anything. He later said that car manufacturers themselves were responsible for the high levels of pollution that still exist in in London today because they basically use and exploit every possible loophole that is available to them to pass clean air tests for their vehicles. And is there any sense of, of what impact these high levels of pollution were having on Ella? You know, would they have contributed to her being ill? Yeah, so it's been mentioned throughout this inquest that exposure to levels above now legal thresholds can have very, very uh, serious health implications and even be a factor in, in, in mortality rates. Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, was the Mayor of London in the time leading up to Ella's death. Has his name come up much during the inquest? Yes, it has. There's an official representing the Greater London Authority that was scrutinising the role of the mayors, the three London mayors that we've had, and exactly what strategies they took to address what was known as as a growing problem. Boris Johnson's uh, name has come up in particular because it was determined that the delayed expansion of London's low emission zone under his um, mayorship exposed poorer Londoners to more toxic pollutants. So the court heard that deprived communities, particularly those from ethnic minorities, are likelier to live nearer to busy roads. And while Boris Johnson was mayor between 2008-2016, there were plans to include minibuses and larger vans in the low emission zones. And those plans were originally set to be uh, enforced in October 2010, but were put on hold until January 2012. And uh, this was because uh, at the time it was cited that drivers needed more time to adjust and cope following the 2008 financial crash. So the coroner highlighted this at one stage to the official for the Greater London Authority and said that, you know, essentially poorer Londoners were made worse off by this decision to delay. And there was at one stage he, he couldn't really get his head around why in the official documents at the time, the terminology was moderate economic benefits were seen to outweigh minor health problems. And of course, the family's lawyer wasn't too happy either about that terminology. Is, is there a chance that the Prime Minister would have to give evidence to this inquest? I don't think he would before the coroner's conclusion. Um, if the coroner does conclude that air pollution was a causing factor of Ella's death, then that would have serious political uh, ramifications. And I think it would be at that stage that Boris Johnson would be compelled to speak and address this. What is the timeline on the inquest now? When do we expect a decision? 
we're expecting a ruling on Friday, so on the 11th. We've already had all of um, the government officials, but we'd also hear from Ella's mother, Rosamond, and some emissions experts. But that, I think, is the full running order. Just finally, has there been any government response to what the family's lawyer has been saying? There's a lot of back and forth between, you know, DEFRA, the Department of Transport. They each get a chance to also question whoever is giving evidence at that time. So the response is part of the discussions that are occurring in the inquest at the moment. I think it will take a ruling, a historic ruling, that air pollution was a cause of Ella's death for any significant government response. For Rosamond, the inquest is also a chance for some kind of closure for the whole family. She was such a big sister and they've spent half their life without her. And it's been really, really hard. So every year they would take a picture. You know how they take these? And it was all the way from preschool to year four. And it's got all of them on there, all three kids. And in the beginning, I was struggling how I was going to walk through my house every single day and look at these pictures. I did want all her pictures down. I kind of got voted down on that one. But I'm now glad that they're still up there. But I've got used to it. We still haven't opened our our cards, you know. We've got about about 700. Wow. Maybe after the inquest would be a good time too. It was just just too hard. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Rosamond Adu Kissy Deborah, Times Environment Editor Ben Webster, and Times Reporter Charlie Parker. You can read all of Charlie's reporting from the inquest this week and more about the Times Clean Air campaign at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers were Edward Drummond, Brenna Daldorf, and James Shield. The executive producer is Poppy Damon and sound design was by Carla Patella. If you have time, please do leave us a review. If you'd like to get in touch about this or any other story you'd like us to look into, please do drop us an email at storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. We'll be back tomorrow. Subscribe today and get one month free at thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.